0: Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Goh.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, We got the season finale, uh, wrapping up the season today. Uh, Tough way to end the season for the Brewers, but... Uh, can't say it was too unexpected. Uh, Brewers obviously heavily uh, favored to lose the series and falling to the Dodgers two nothing. Uh, if you didn't already hear, so Brewers out of the playoffs. 2020 season is over and in the books. And today we'll be covering two you know interesting games against the Dodgers. The Brewers did put up a battle in both of those games. They competed, uh, weren't able to win either of them, but they did compete. Uh, some some good things we saw in those two games that we'll be covering today, and then. Um, just reviewing uh, briefly 2020 and maybe looking ahead forward to 2021.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you say you probably have heard that. If, I don't really know why you're listening to our podcast if you don't know that the Brewers just lost both games of a playoff series. Uh, but either way, yeah, we're here to cover that. Talk about some of the things that went wrong, I guess, in the series. Well, not not too much went right. Uh, yeah. So we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that and, you know, kind of a... a sad way to end it but yeah. you know we it's kind of expected right
1: right like I said Brewers heavily favored to lose a series and yeah falling to the Dodgers 2-0 in the in the brief three game series so uh, before we get into it our trivia question of the day uh, as always stay tuned to the end of the podcast uh, where we'll be covering the answer who is the Brewers uh well there are I guess two of them but who leads the Brewers in post career postseason home runs so two players uh all time for the Brewers uh, postseason home run leaders so just keep that in mind as we go through the podcast like I said as always we'll be covering the answer uh, at the end of the podcast uh, but otherwise uh, not much else to add uh, good to actually be recording the podcast in person didn't have to do this one over the phone doing the recording this here in Minnesota in a hotel room with our dog Brewers again falling in a, in a three-game set two to nothing to the Dodgers uh, game one Brewers sending out their ace Brent Suter out there <laughs> uh Suter getting the start in game one uh with Brandon leaving Brandon Woodruff to get uh the full rest we talked about that a little bit on the podcast I was a fan of that uh I don't know you were kind of on the fence when we talked about it last what were your thoughts on the Brewers starting Suter in game one
0: I was okay with it I thought it made sense you're not going to start a guy like Hauser or Lynn Bloom in game one if you don't need to I thought Suter was a better option uh than some of those the other options that they could have had there he of course did not have his best stuff. Uh, or command, to be honest. Five walks. Um, was, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Five walks in that game, and five walks the rest of the year. So very, very uncharacteristic of Suter, and you know only going one and two thirds, and setting up the Brewers really for failure in that game. Uh, in in a, in a game against Walker Bueller, I know he'd been dealing with the blister, but either way, you're facing one of the top pitchers in the National League. You can't give the Dodgers five walks early in the game and Mm -hmm. Dodgers putting up three runs and really after that uh, Brewers were really lucky to to even be in the game in the fourth uh, when Orlando Arcea did take uh, Bueller yard for a two run shot uh, to put the Brewers within one and uh, able to compete the rest of the game. Uh, but ultimately falling 4-2 to two in this one.
0: Mm-hmm. And I thought what was interesting was not only the way that Council managed the bullpen, but also the lineup configuration. He let off Yelich, which was the first time he did that this whole year. Braun hit second, which is also something that's not usually seen. I think he, he really went with um, who's been hitting well lately. Whereas he hasn't really done that as much. He's more taken a little bit of a bigger view of it over the past, um, like maybe a couple of months and how a player is performing. But I thought that part was interesting, especially trying to shake things up with a struggling offense against one of the best pitchers in the National League. And they, they have one of the, maybe the best pitching staff in the National League as a whole. So you're going to have to have to score runs. Of course, the Brewers weren't able to do that. They just scored two runs. Obviously, Garcia had a nice game, three for four, and of course, Arcia contributing with the two-run shot. Jelic had a couple of hits, but outside of that, really not much offense. I don't think that they necessarily um, wowed with their offense, although runs are a little bit harder to come by in the postseason, and they did actually have more hits than the Dodgers, Uh, so we actually could have potentially won the game if not for the free bases we gave them at the beginning of the game.
1: Exactly, and just stressing the the importance of of those base runners, with the Dodgers offense, you, you can't give them free bases. And Suter giving on them five. Uh, Yardley coming in after Suter uh, to stop the bleeding and really pitched outstanding again. I mean Yardley underrated this year was outstanding out of the bullpen and in this game going two and a third without giving up an earned run uh, and able to bridge the gap like we said keep the Brewers close or within uh, you know shouting distance and RCA able to hit an 0-2 fastball from Bueller out uh, which you know gave a little bit of hope. Honestly, for me, I wasn't sure if I was going to keep watching it. Down 3-0 against the Dodgers. Brewers' odds not looking good. But after that RCA home run, Brewers did have a shot. Um, like we said, unable to to score the necessary runs. But bullpen overall pitching well after Souter. Like I mentioned, Gardley coming in after that. Justin Topa uh, pitching two innings uh, following Gardley. Then handing the ball to Freddie Peralta, who did give up a solo shot to Corey Seager. And then finally Drew Rasmussen uh, pitching the
0: final inning for the Brewers. Uh, anything else you want to add about this one? No a little bit disappointing. Uh, I don't necessarily think I expected to win expected them to win, especially the first game with a bullpen day, but it would have been nice to see if they could have potentially stolen a game because you know if you steal a game in the in the first um, out of a three game series, you've positioned yourself very well and I think that kind of set the stage then for game two where we saw as the announcers said, Braden Woodford on the mound. <laughs> Um, and that coming also with Brett Phillips apparently pinch hitting in game one instead of Jace Peterson. They uh, actually, I don't, I, I, don't know. Know. I don't know how they get that. Yeah, I, I'm not <laughs> sure. But, uh, we should yeah. just have Braden, Braden you, uh, Woodford. Woodford, yeah. yeah.
1: Woodruff. I mean, we got to first talk about Woodruff in this game. Uh, he was looking outstanding. Uh, he and Kershaw going pitch for pitch through those first four innings. Uh, Woodruff was just keeping the the Dodgers hitters completely off balance. Early in the game, he was going to the fastball a lot and really overpowered them. And then after that, he was really mixing his pitches really well, locating the curveball, slider, changeup, a couple changeups he threw to Betts. That that changeup to Betts Mm -hmm. for the strikeout was absolutely filthy. And then his two-seam, the two-seam running in on, especially that one Betts-at-bat, I I remember seeing, I think it was two two two-seamers that just completely ran in on Betts, and then ended, in, ended up with the uh, the backdoor changeup to strike out Betts looking was, yeah, that was, I believe, to end the fourth. Uh, Woodruff uh, ran into trouble in the fifth. Uh, as you may know, Brewers had a chance to get out of it uh, ground ball to third base. He fielded it, stepped on third to get the second out of the inning, tossed it over to first for a more routine play, uh, really. Uh, after he made a nice pick and threw it low and Jerko was unable to make the scoop, which would have been the third out of the inning, uh, ultimately leading to uh, three runs in, in the fifth and uh, chasing Woodruff out of the game after he was outstanding through the first four innings. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was really the big turning point because they had first and second with one out at that point, And you thought that there was a, a reasonable uh, chance that they could get out of it. And there really was that path. I'd say that that's a play that a major league first baseman usually should have. I don't think it was necessarily a play that has to be, that's going to be made every single time, but most of the time and in that situation, you really need that to be converted.
1: Yeah, and Urias did make a nice pick. It wasn't a routine ground ball to him or by any means. He made a nice pick, charging on the ball, stepped on the bag. At that point, it was looking like a no-brainer double play. Like I said, Urias could have made a better throw. Jerko really should have made that pick, uh, and... You know, unable to get the third out of the inning, and then floodgates open up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Woodruff doesn't get a call on a, a two-two fastball. It, it was outside, if you look at the bo- you know the box at, on the TV screen, um, but he also did hit his spot right on the money. Woodruff was not happy that he didn't get mm-hmm. the call after he was taken out of the game. He actually did get ejected, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Yeah,
0: I don't. I actually didn't realize that until yeah. looking, re- looking back at the box. Yeah, the score. TV didn't show the TV yeah. didn't show
1: uh, him getting ejected, but he was very upset and rightfully so. I mean, just watching the game, I was upset for him with with the error or not error, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The, the play that could have got him out of the inning and then the strikeout potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and besides that, uh, the Dodgers, the way they had their base runners too. If you remember, Cody Bellinger started the the uh, the offense with a single into center field, which was a change-up that Bellinger was way out in front of, just threw a check swing, at really, at the ball. He didn't even finish his swing. Uh, if he would have, it would have been a fly-out, really. But he didn't finish his swing and just kind of threw his hand to the ball, single to center field, dropping in front of Abhisail uh, Garcia. And that, that started the inning, and then um, Chris Taylor did have a solid single, but then Austin Barnes with the single up the middle, didn't hit the ball well, mm-hmm. put it in a good spot just up the middle. And
0: so and uh, that came right after the, the call also that right. didn't go Woodruff's way. So that, was, that ended up, yeah, it was just really a, a seeing eye single that was put in the right spot. If you put right. that really in any other spot, you're not going to be able to put it through the infield. No. But because of that, um, they were able to um, capitalize on it. Uh, Woodruff actually four and two-thirds, nine strikeouts, no walks. Um. So that part of his line looks good, not the three earned runs. Um, however, Kershaw was outstanding. Yeah. He, he dominated the Brewers hitters. Um, this great quote uh, on MLB.com, Kershaw, fun night for me. <laughs> That's what the headline is, um, which I believe it. He's had a lot of struggles in the postseason. And I like Kershaw. I, I hope that he's successful. Not necessarily a huge Dodgers guy, but uh, but at the same time, I do want to see Kershaw win a World Series at some point. So that's really what is missing from his legacy in his career, as one of really one of the greatest pitchers of all time.
1: Especially on the left handed side of things, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And Kershaw, I mean, going pitch for pitch, like I said, with Woodruff through four, but he continued his success. Brewers' hitter is completely off balance. Uh, I, I forget the, the exact number, but. Uh, he was getting ahead on a, just about every hitter. And the Brewers seemed to be guessing wrong after that just about every time, slider, curveball, primarily from Woodrow, uh, me, from Kershaw. Uh, but, yeah, Kershaw going eight innings, striking out 13, and Brewers offense having no answer, uh, just four hits.
0: They looked really flat. I thought it was even when they were down 3 nothing. you almost forgot that they were only down by three. It felt like they were six seven runs down and I thought what really sealed it was Luis Urias being picked off because that was one of those plays that it can't happen especially in a playoff game it just it can't happen and I thought once that happened it kind of sealed the deal almost like yeah the Brewers are just not here it it felt like they weren't there to play it felt like Woodruff came out and after that fifth inning where things kind of unraveled they almost checked out mentally, and I'm not saying that they, they totally did. Of course, these are major leaguers. They're very mentally strong, but at the same time, it almost felt like that watching the game. Yeah, it's
1: kind of a side note. You mentioned that Josh Hader uh, entered the game after Woodruff. Uh, he pitched an inning in a third, two strikeouts. Uh, looked good. I mean, Brewers already down 3 nothing at the time, but they did pull, Wood, uh, pull Hader after one and a third uh, to bring in Adrian Hauser. That was kind of questionable. I'm not really sure why. I know they went through some arms in Game 1, but that was kind of surprising that they decided to uh, bring in Adrian Hauser to pitch the 7th and 8th inning, um, when I thought he was not really going to see them out in this series, barring a long uh, x inning game or something of that nature.
0: Yeah, no, I thought the same thing, so that's why I was a little bit surprised to see him there too. Um, it worked out fine, he went too right. scoreless. I wouldn't say he looked great, but he looked better than he has, actually, um, in his recent appearances.
1: Yeah, the only the only explanation I could think of would be that Council didn't want to gas up Hayter completely in the very unlikely event. The Brewers did come back and win the game so that he could go in Game 3. Um, I, that's the only thing I can really think of, is that he didn't really want Hayter to go 2 or 2 and a 3rd or something. Um, and then have him be unavailable. Mm-hmm. I don't, or even
0: or even bring in a guy like Kniebel. Right. Maybe he wanted him fresh in case they needed him. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't... Right. Saving I, him it, for did, what? Yeah, it didn't really yeah. matter, but yeah, it was a little bit surprising. Yeah.
1: One other thing I wanted to note and, and maybe get your opinion on, Cody Bellinger, who also, like Yelich and, you know, the Brewers' whole offense, really had a disappointing 2020. Uh, what are your thoughts with Bellinger in the sixth spot, even hitting behind... Will Smith, uh, of course, a very deep lineup uh, with the Dodgers. I mean, hitting behind Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Max Muncie. But interesting to have Bellinger in the sixth spot, uh, the reigning MVP. or Not the reigning MVP, but former MVP, uh, Cody Bellinger in the sixth spot. I don't know. Any thoughts on, on putting them there? Dave Roberts doing that?
0: I thought it was interesting. I don't necessarily think that Cody Bellinger is their sixth best hitter. But at the same time, I thought that it was... Not the most surprising thing. He did. He had a, I think, a 239 average, like 786 OPS for the year. So, well, he was still all right, but he wasn't Cody Bellinger.
1: Yeah, if I recall, Muncie didn't play well this year. No, he hit,
0: I think he hit 192. Yeah, yeah, he was on our fantasy baseball team, so that's. I think that's really the reason why he didn't play that's well. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But but um, either way, I, I was a little bit surprised to see Bellinger so low in the order. At the same time, though, yeah, a very deep lineup, so it's it's not like a total shocker. Like it made no sense. And also, Bruce Star Gratterol at the back end of that Dodgers bullpen is nasty, 99 with hard arm side action, um, kind of similar to Blake Trinan. And Gratterol has like no effort, and he just hits easy 100 uh, with really good movement. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see, just as a, a baseball fan, um, kind of w- watching the game and observing some things.
1: Yeah. But really, Brewers, just no answer for, for Clayton Kershaw. And we actually didn't even mention the some of the guys the Brewers lost too. Uh, of course, Corbin Burns out for the series. We already knew that. It was announced that Devin Williams would not be active in this series. And the Brewers also lost Ryan Braun as well, um, I believe, in game one. And then uh, slightly my, more minor uh, as well, Brett Anderson, also out for the series. So Brewers already going in. As the much weaker team, and then coming in banged up without some of their key players, as well as supporting cast like Brett Anderson, um, and you know, really game two came down to the Brewers un- unable to uh, have an answer for Clayton Kershaw, and the Dodgers completed the two game sweep uh, going into the uh, NLDS. So with 2020 in the books, of course we'll we'll cover the the MLB playoffs a little bit uh, as this continues, but. Where do you see the Brewers going from here? You know, uh, of course, nowadays, people are always talking about rebuilding, and I think that can be even an over-glorified uh, idea or strategy. Uh, it's kind of questionable whether it really works. But anyways, what are what are your thoughts on the Brewers, and where do they go from here entering 2021?
0: I think this is a pivotal offseason. Last year, we saw them go through almost a, a roster retool in the midst of a contention window. So that was something that we saw that is not common by any means. Uh, and they weren't really able to pull it off. Uh, some of the guys that they brought in, Justin Smoke, Brock Holt, Eric Sogard. Um, Brett Anderson was fine, but, um, yeah, was but just say, in general.
1: Yeah, Anderson yeah. was Anderson was pretty solid. I would say he was a little bit above expectation, pretty healthy too for his standards. And then Jed Jerko did outperform expectations. But like you said, Justin Smoke was a guy that I think the Brewers, as well as you, I know, We talked early in the year, and when the Brewers did acquire him, were more high on smoke, uh, did not turn out as well. Vogelbach, when he did come in, uh, did do a good job. Not sure if he'll be sticking around for 2021. And then Garcia also, uh, who was signed over the offseason, who had more pressure on him with Lorenzo Cain being out for 2020, but also underperformed as
0: well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I don't necessarily see... The Brewers going through as many moves as last year, but at the same time, they almost have to because they signed a lot of guys to one-year deals. Um, Brett Anderson will be a free agent. Um, They did trade away David Phelps. Justin Smoke was released. Brock Holt was released. Um, But... Anderson is a free agent. Jerko has a club option, um, so we'll see whether or not they they do pick up that option. They do have a hole at third base as well. Luis Urias I don't think is a long term third baseman. I think it also depends a lot on whether or not they have a DH for the National League next year, because that could factor in, especially with Keston Hura. Do they bring back Ryan Braun? Does he want to come back? Right. That's something that, of course, we can't answer. We don't have sorry we don't have the inside source of whether or not the Brewers um, are looking at. 2021 with Ryan brauner without the third best player in franchise history either way though I think this is really important some people were saying are they at the end of the, their contention window I, I don't think that I think that that's actually it's almost the opposite yeah. because um, what's interesting is when they started the rebuild in 2015 people were saying the timeline was maybe they'll be competitive by 2020 right
1: well, yeah, they were competitive a whole lot sooner, mm-hmm. and and granted the Christian Yelich trade played a huge role in that. Uh, but to say that the Brewers' run is over, I I would strongly disagree with that. So the Brewers know they have a, a top NL bat uh, for years to come in Milwaukee, and that's you know that's a cornerstone that they have there. And then some of the other surrounding pieces are younger guys who they still have more control: Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Devin Williams, even Josh Hader, who they have through 2023.
0: The Brewers, yeah, they have they have a lot of guys that are locked up. I think they have the core there in place. I mean you look at across across the board and they have a few starting pitchers, Woodruff and Burns, who are the main guys atop the rotation. And while they might not have like top of the rotation arms elsewhere, you don't necessarily need five top of the rotation arms. Eric Lauer is a guy who had a very disappointing season, but I think he could still play a role even in the starting rotation going forward. Josh Lindblom is still under contract for two more years. He actually, I thought, had kind of an underrated season. He was the victim of a little bit of bad luck in a smaller sample size, but he he had a really good strikeout rate and limited the walks pretty well as well. I thought Lindblom overall had an underrated season. Adrian Hauser, I think, will be able to figure things out. Now, I don't know if you necessarily commit to a rotation spot for all three of those guys. I would be in favor of them bringing in at least one starting pitcher and then letting Lauer, Hauser, and Lindblom kind of battle it out for those last two spots with Woodruff and Burns, of course, being at the top of the rotation locked in.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I wouldn't count on three starting uh, starting pitching roles uh, for those three guys. I know Freddie Peralta started the year on the rotation, didn't work out, and he thrived in the bullpen. I, I think at this point, the Brewers have accepted that. I think it is time to accept that he's been going. I bullpen. think it makes sense. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing by no. any means because he's a very good reliever. Yeah, I agree. I, it's 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 a win win for Peralta and for the Brewers. Uh, but what about Brent Suter? Especially with we talked about some of the guys that they have uh, control over: Hayter, Peralta, uh, even Devin Williams, uh, who is their best reliever this year. Do you think that leads, uh, because the bullpen is strong, do you think that Brent Suter may be better suited back in the rotation, or do you still like the lefty out of the pen?
0: I think he's better out of the bullpen. Um, of course, generally, uh, pitchers are better out of the bullpen, but I think he's better suited for a relief role. And I think that he is a guy who could make some spot starts and maybe give you three, four innings, like we did see some this year. I think that the role that he had this year is uh, hopefully what we could see going forward, maybe with some some more effective starting pitching than we had Um, Especially with some of the guys going, um, going out, or like Lauer, or um, even at the beginning of the year, Peralta not having great starts and kind of needing Brent Suter there, but I think that's that is his most effective role, and he is locked up for I think at least another year or two under team control, and he seems like a guy who would want to stay in Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. He has he has been. Very valuable for the Brewers, especially because they really haven't had good left-handed pit, left-handed starting pitching. While he was a starter, I believe he was their their only you know real left. Well, he was way yeah, yeah, he
0: was their their the first left-handed pitcher to make a start for the Brewers when he debuted since Tom Gorzolani three years before they went. That's right. Three years without a, a left-handed starting pitcher. Which every time I hear that stat, it blows my mind. But I think that Brent Suter um, is a guy who will factor in more so in the bullpen next year uh, and then maybe kind of fill in as needed but you look at that bullpen and the bullpen was great this year but I think it even has a chance to be even better for next year I don't think they really need to make any additions because you have Hayter, Suter, Peralta, Williams of course being maybe the rookie of the year and reliever of the year in the National League Corey Knable is coming back he has one more year under team control Eric Yardley was exceptional this year I don't know if you could necessarily expect him to be great again, but I think a, a solid middle reliever. Justin Topa is a a guy who's uh, he's already twenty nine, but he's just kind of hitting his stride, and he has great stuff. I think he's a guy who could also have uh, a, a pretty big impact, and Drew Rasmussen as well.
1: Yeah, I'm. I, I like Rasmussen. I like what I saw. He was inconsistent this year, but it was also his first time up in the big leagues. I think that a little bit more time, and I think he could be a very solid reliever as well. Uh, so I do like Rasmussen there as well, and like you said, I mean that, we just listed off eight guys, and that that doesn't include uh, some of the other relievers who who either weren't able to make an impact this year or didn't get the the chance to as much. Ray Black, um, as well as uh, Bobby Wall, too, who we would see, as well as you know some of the other forty man guys and and uh, minor league pitchers as well who may be competing for a spot or two. Like you said, I I would like to see the Brewers focus more on on bolstering the rotation rather than trying to add any sort of uh, sizable bullpen pieces.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and uh, in the coming episodes we'll analyze the roster as a whole a little bit more but I would say the positions that I'd like to see them make significant improvements at um, or at least some degree of an improvements at would be uh, starting pitching and third base uh, especially then maybe Allowing Keston to get some more spots, some more time at DH um, if they do have a DH, which I think is pretty likely actually. And then you kind of mix and match with Luis Urias and Orlando Arcia up the middle also.
1: Urias fits in a lot better if the DH is there uh, because you need Keston's bat in the lineup, uh, but it is nice to have Urias' glove there too as well. So um, I do like the mix uh, with the DH of Hira. Uh, Arcia and Urias up the middle. But like you said, we would ha- the Brewers do have a pretty big hole at their base, and, it, and it's an important position on the offensive side of things too. Uh, and with uh, with Eric Sogard getting some time in Urias there this year, not a whole lot of offense from that position for the Brewers this year. And what are your thoughts on, on Daniel Vogelbach? Do you think he, I mean, he played pretty well, very short sample size. Uh, do you Do you see him being someone that's worthwhile to bring back
0: I do think he's worthwhile to bring back he isn't necessarily going to garner much salary and arbitration so i think that that works for the brewers benefit jed jerko is a guy who they have a four and a half million dollar club option with a million dollar buyout i think that's a guy who makes sense to bring him back even if he does perform a little bit worse than than he did this year Um, not too long ago he was an average player for Numerous years in a row. So we're not looking at somebody with no track record there. So that's kind of where we're looking at the corners. But at the same time, you don't want Vogelbach at first, Jerko at third and have nobody else brought in. I think that's kind of a recipe to have a similar offensive output as you did in 2020. And that's something that the Brewers need to avoid next year. And the outfield, I think, is is pretty clear. You have Yelich, Kane, and Garcia. They're all returning. Uh, that's a pretty solid outfield. Yeah. You have Ben Gamble and Tyrone Taylor. I think it makes sense to bring both of them back. Yeah, those uh, are both good guys off the mm-hmm. bench. Taylor played uh, reasonably well. Me. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh,
1: for expectations, I thought he exceeded them. Um, had a few pretty big hits. Uh, seemed comfortable up there at the plate. And then played good defense, uh, good athlete in the, out in the outfield. And Ben Gamble, who's now been here for two years, another good guy off the bench, left-handed bat, and pretty good athlete who can play a little bit around the field. Uh, So the real question in the outfield is, will Ryan Braun be returning? Uh, And, of course, we don't know what Braun's looking for in the offseason. We don't know what the Brewers, if the Brewers want to bring him back, what the price they're willing to pay, what Braun's looking for. We don't know any of those things. But as a Brewers fan and as someone who wants the best for the Brewers, Do you think it is worthwhile for the Brewers to bring back Ryan Braun? Strictly speaking, does Ryan Braun make the Brewers better in 2021?
0: I think he does. He was actually one of their best hitters this year, even though he didn't necessarily even have a great year. I think Ryan Braun is still a good hitter, and he even really played through the year hurt. You kind of see that even just watching the games. I think Ryan Braun makes the Brewers a better team this year, even putting his, uh, his legacy aside as one of the best players in franchise history.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know. Uh, Braun may not be uh, someone who's going to take such a significant hometown discount, and I'm not sure exactly what the demand will be for Braun uh, in free agency. Who really knows what kind of free agency we'll mm-hmm. see this year?
0: And we also don't even know if Braun wants to play any longer. He's dealt with lingering injuries, really, for, for the years. most part, for yeah, yeah. five or six yeah. years. So. It's possible that Braun's body feels uh, feels worn down enough. Even his wife posted on Instagram uh, when they played their last game at Miller Park. We're gonna miss this place. Yeah, which seems to indicate that he may be leaning towards retirement. I'd be pretty surprised if she said that. and that the Brewers don't want him back, and he wants to keep playing, and we'll go somewhere else. Maybe go to independent ball or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I and I don't. To be honest, I don't really know that a lot of teams would have interest in him because he doesn't have a great reputation around the league, so they're not necessarily going to be eager to bring him in for that reason. Also, he's kind of a one-dimensional player at this point. He still plays hard in the outfield, and he's not a terrible defensive player, uh-huh. but he also doesn't provide much value there. So he's really just a bat, um, and he's he's a fine so, hitter. Yeah, he's not bad, but I don't think that other teams are necessarily going to go out of their way to offer him decent amount of money, and right. I think that the Brewers... At least should have the money. Where if he wants to come back, they should pay him um, enough to bring him back.
1: Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. I mean, realistically, on a good team, he's probably a third outfielder and a nice bat to have in the lineup. Uh, but you know, he's not he's not of course not the Ryan Braun that he previous was, and with the with his past as well, like you said, uh, doesn't make a team super eager to to be looking for, to add Braun to the team. So. We'll have to see. That'll be that'll be something that'll be interesting that we will definitely be tracking this off is is the Brewers' decision and Ryan Braun's decision for uh, 2021. Like we mentioned earlier, we'll be diving more into Ryan Braun in the offseason, into uh, the the Brewers reviewing a debriefing on 2020, uh, even doing some some grades on on the performance that we saw from each of our, the Brewers players. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for those. We will be doing more of a deep dive. Yeah, like I said, uh, an analysis on the 2020 season as well as looking forward to 2021. Uh, And actually, before we head out, uh, David, do you want to cover just very briefly a rundown on the playoffs? Uh, A lot of series, a lot of games going on. I feel like it was kind of weird just turning on the TV in just about all day for a couple days. felt uh, like March Madness. Yeah, a little bit. It was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, would I want 16 teams in the playoffs every year? No, Uh, but it was was kind of fun to have. be able to just pretty much flip on the TV and see the marquee
0: matchup of the Miami Marlins and Chicago Cubs playoff series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I, yeah, again, like I, I hope that it doesn't stay this way. I, it, Of course, as a Brewer fan, um, I I wanted them to win. But at the same time, it would be unfair if the Dodgers are the best team in baseball and they don't even make it to the NLDS in a three-game series. That's really a, kind of, not necessarily a crapshoot, but... Gives the Brewers more of an advantage than they should have. Let's just say the in Marlins moved so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so overall, I think the postseason format is fine for now. Um, but we are down to eight teams. We have Rays and Yankees in the AL, and Astros and A's. Mike fires facing off against his former teammates that with the Astros. Of course, fires the one breaking the sign stealing scandal. And a former brewer himself, you almost forget about that. Yeah. Um, side he was, note.
1: Yeah, solid pitcher for the Brewers. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mike Fires had a pretty notable career. Um, he's been, I'd say, he's been like an average pitcher yeah. for what seven years or so. Um, but he he hit Giancarlo Stanton in the face, which I don't know if I'd say that that like to- totally changed the career trajectory of Stanton, but it definitely played a big role in a, uh, in his career. Who knows where Stanton would be at now? He also has thrown two no hitters during his career, and he broke the biggest sign-stealing scandal in the history of sports. Um, so we can thank Doug Melvin for, uh, for trading him over to Houston. Yeah, wasn't Fires a, a late-round pick, too, for the Brewers? Yeah, he was drafted out of Nova Southeastern University Division II school in Florida. Um, I think it was around the 20th round. Yeah, I know
1: the expectations weren't high on him, mm-hmm. even that he was in the rotation for a while for the Brewers, was a win and then able to trade him to Houston, but... Yeah, Houston A's, that should be an interesting one. The A's able to come back in Game 3 against the White Sox, uh, pull off a comeback there. And uh, also wanted to note, uh, Yankees-Indians, that was a good series as well. Uh, tough for the Indians, to a tough a tough draw mm-hmm. uh, in that first series. And they lost, uh, they swept, actually got swept by the Yankees, uh, 2-0. Um, but should be good matchups in the AL. Rays-Yankees, Rays, of course, being the best team uh, in the American League. And then, like you mentioned, the Astros and the A's facing off. Uh, as well, Mike Fires, and maybe the A's able to actually make some noise, uh, get a little bit deeper in the playoffs, which they have been out, unable to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty confident that about 99.8 percent of the baseball world will be rooting for the A's um, this the fair. series. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully the A's can make a deep run.
1: I'd love to see a Fires no hitter.
0: Oh, that would be great. <laughs> that would be so funny. Um, yeah, and then on the NL side of things, we got Dodgers, Padres. That'll be an exciting series, I, yeah. I think. Padres are an exciting team. They're maybe a little bit more um, brash than exactly what my preference is, but they're still exciting and they're fun to watch. Um, they've got they've got Drew Pomeran, Zach Davies, Trent Grisham. Uh, sorry to maybe open yeah. up the reopen the wound, uh, but some former Brewers on that squad, and even more former Brewers on a Marlins team that will face off against the Braves. Marlins have Garrett Cooper, long time. Uh, first base prospect for the Brewers. He was always in AAA. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got drafted, went straight to AAA, and just stayed there.
1: <laughs> Which is kind of funny because the Brewers had bad, like the Brewers have had bad first yeah. base since Prince Fielder. Like that's but been a weakness. They never called him right. up. Like I mean, mm-hmm. Thames, I guess, was all right. Mm-hmm. Aguilar was an All Star. for yeah. you know, half a year, but Who's, overall pretty weak. First base over the past couple of years, but for some reason, Cooper never really getting a chance at Milwaukee before heading to Miami. Mm -hmm.
0: And Aguilar is actually now the Marlins' first baseman. Brandon Kinsler is also on that team. And of course, some of those guys from the Yellows trade Brinson, Yamamoto, Isan Diaz, Monte Harrison. I know Harrison is on the postseason roster. I'm not actually exactly sure um, about the other ones, but. Clearly a lot of Brewers on that team. And a Braves offense that was the best offense in the National League is interesting to watch. They basically have Max Freed and Ian Anderson, two young arms, who have been really good this year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how far the offense is able to carry them along with those two um, starting pitchers who have performed really well.
1: Yeah, Braves are able to shut out the Reds in, this, in the two-game series and sweep them. Uh, we were we were joking about in the last podcast hoping for uh, an all-NL Central nl ds with uh brewers cardinals and cubs reds and we actually had the exact opposite so all four central teams sent home uh and we actually see two from the west and two from the east so kind of interesting a little surprising that it ended up being that way but yeah Mm -hmm. reds being sent home in a sweep cubs also being swept and the brewers Mm -hmm. as well so
0: and and all three al central teams were actually eliminated in the first round too which maybe even a bigger surprise Twins were upset. That was um, yeah tough. Yeah, to it's, watch. that's a tough
1: one for Twins fans.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they haven't won a postseason game since 4 four. They've lost their last eighteen postseason games, which they yeah, they lost uh, this series wild card game um, a couple years ago, and they've got, gotten swept each of their last five. Yeah, ALDSs.
1: They must have Dusty Baker as their manager <laughs> oh, only in the okay. playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was also only two uh, two series that went to game three. the the A's and White Sox, and then Padres, Cardinals too. So fair amount of sweeps, more than I would have expected. Uh, But like David said, matchups, Rays, Yankees, Dodgers, Padres, Astros, A's, and Marlins, Braves. So eight teams remaining. Uh, We'll see what will happen. Uh, But anything anything else before we head out today? Um, Well, make sure you don't forget about the trivia question. That's right. That's right. So – Uh, if you recall from the beginning of the podcast, our trivia question today, uh, is who are the two players, uh, that lead the Brewers in career postseason home runs? Uh, if you follow the Brewers on Instagram, uh, this, this may, you may have seen this already, uh, but I had to kind of bring it up because when I realized this, I was kind of shocked and slightly or severely embarrassed. (laughs) so the first of those guys, uh, one of the Brewers' best power hitters uh, in the 2000s, Prince Fielder. Um, the, the sad news is, is the sad news is that uh, he has four career postseason home runs, and yes, he's tied for the Brewers' all-time uh, record holder for career postseason home runs. And, and the other player, uh, the Brewers' best power hitter, probably in the franchise history, <laughs> uh, maybe second best. Behind and Russell Brannion. That's right. That's right. Uh, Robin, uh, excuse me, uh, Orlando Arcia. <laughs> Uh, Orlando Arcia also has four career postseason home runs after his home run off of Walker uh yeah, Walker Bueller in game one of the uh playoffs this year. So Orlando Arcia now is tied for the, the lead uh in career postseason home runs in Brewers history, which is kind of laughable and slightly embarrassing, like I said. So Arcia and Field are both with four career home runs in the playoffs. Uh there's your trivia question of the day. Uh yeah, it's a little sad, but is what it is, Orlando Arcea. Uh, and one other final thought before we head out, uh, it was announced uh, that Bob Gibson passed away at, at age 84, uh, the Hall of Fame pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. And he did actually change baseball too as well um, because he was so dominant uh, in his time. I believe he also impacted the decision to uh, move the mound uh, eleva- more elevated, if, I, if I'm less correct. Elevated. Less elevated, sorry. Less elevated uh, but very dominant right handed pitcher uh, passing at the age of 84, a uh, Hall of Famer uh, from the St. Louis Cardinals. So, um, news around baseball seemed to have a, a couple of Hall of Famers recently passing away Tom Seaver um, and Lou Brock as well, also a fellow Cardinal. Well, was Seaver on the Cardinals at all? No, Reds. Yeah, no,
0: yeah, yeah, Reds Red and Mets, yeah, of course, right, he's right, known right. for, right? Yeah, also, I'm, I'm just looking at the all time single season and single season postseason batting leaders. Can we not ignore the fact that 1992 Lloyd McClendon has the best on-base percentage in a postseason of all time? 750, he reached base 12 out of 16 times, which is outstanding. I remember having um, a baseball card of him, and it said, Lloyd McClendon, position, pinch hitter, (laughs) which is is, uh, pretty good. I do remember
1: that card. That was a good one. I I think that was from our uh, uncle. I think it was one of his old baseball cards Probably. that he gave us but
0: yeah speaking of actually he's a candidate to become the Tigers next manager who also are looking at AJ Hinch and Alex Cora which is interesting I don't think that's what I was talking with a Tigers fan today actually I don't think that that's the right move for a Tigers team that's rebuilding you don't need that attention no. I could understand it if you were a team like say if Padres like, yeah, may, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but if like yeah, the Cubs yeah. were looking for a manager or, or the Yankees or some someone like that, I could see it. But I, to me, it makes sense more for the Tigers to get another Ron Gar- Gardenhire-esque yeah, manager.
1: I, I just don't see how, how the pros outweigh the cons with A.J. Hinch or Alex Cora, for that matter, uh, especially with it being so recent. I mean, people tend to have, you know, people tend to forget over time. Uh, but with how recent it is, they're going to get, like you said, a lot of negative attention. It's just not what they need right now as they try to uh, rebuild around some of their younger core and prospects in the minor leagues right now. So I think that really wraps it up for today. Uh, Again, Brewers uh, ending the 2020 season in a uh, getting sweeped by the last Los Angeles Dodgers Uh, looking forward to 2021 and looking forward to cover the postseason, uh, the, the remaining postseason as well as uh, debrief 2020 for the Brewers and look forward to 2021. So make sure to uh, stay tuned for our future podcasts and go Brewers.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.